Hello and welcome to Criticism is Dead, a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means, if it means anything at all. I'm Pelin keskin Lu, a producer and writer. I'm Jenny Jijang, a culture writer and critic. This week we have a little grab bag episode for you. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, went, a little a little treat. Yes, it's a, it is a treat. Uh, we've been watching a lot of stuff, especially in between the holidays and, and now and just... Honestly, not all of it is going to make it into like main episodes, so why not just collect it here in a tight little a tight little package? Exactly. Yeah, we're we're going to get really really stuck into it, so I'm super excited. Mm-hmm. How's your week so far been? What have you been up to these days, these early days of 23? Well, starting off t- 2023 with like, I don't know, like I'm sleeping weird, my back, my neck, like the posture, it's just Yeah. I don't know if it's like something specific or it's really just just aging like getting into the next phase of life and such it's i'm so sorry it's probably that Uh, (laughs) yeah i figure it's definitely that i highly recommend i'm gonna be that guy and highly recommend yoga um oh all right not not hot hot yoga because that felt like torture to me uh, but yoga is the only thing that really works for aches and pains for me anymore. Okay. Um, I, I yeah. mean, in any case, I really should do more like stretching and stuff. So yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. I'll tell you what, looking at my cat, like just getting a cat, you see how much <laughs> they stretch and yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, I guess we, we should, should be, be doing, doing that this. too. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Damn. All right. Uh, how's your week going? What's been on your mind? Um, Nothing's been on my mind, but I did get a haircut the other day and um you have bangs my, now i have bangs now yeah. um am i going through something mentally yes oh, um yeah. is that why i got the bangs that usually no. is a sign of yeah something. it usually is uh, unfortunately like th- those two do not correlate but they do p- exist one- alongside each other <laughs> um so yeah i mean i'm really happy with it and let's hope it stays that way <laughs> it's very weird it feels a little bit like i've got helmet hair Everyone a, it, that I've a, shown likes it, so. it. It looks good. Pelin has a, um, I think, a, a photo on on Twitter or somewhere. Yeah, if a you heavy, care to scroll. <laughs> a heavily filtered Playboy bunny filtered <laughs> uh, one. Yes, definitely. It looks oh, yeah, good. Yeah, check though. it out. Let me know it what you think. <laughs> Thanks, babes. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so let's get stuck in. Let's start with you, Jenny. What uh, What did you watch over the break? What have you been getting stuck into? Yeah, yeah. So the first thing I want to talk about briefly is his Dark Materials, the third season. The final season, which came out on HBO Max uh, yeah. over you know the holidays, and we talked about this show on a previous episode, and I mentioned like you know this is a series that's adapted from a series of books that I really liked when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's essentially about these two children who are Adam and Eve, more or less, and it's up to yeah. them to sort of save the world and the universe by going against quote-unquote god or the creator yeah. uh, so that's it in a nutshell and you know i've been following the show the whole time it's been going on it's been like a very long stretch in between seasons yeah and you can really tell it in the actors especially the children the teens yep, yep. but you know i think i was unsatisfied for a big chunk of this season this last season because it just mm-hmm. felt like you know, uh, I don't like this person's performance or it feels a little mm. bit stale. But in the final episode, the finale, I think it was just the sheer emotion of it that got to me. And I, yeah. I, I'll admit that I, I shed a tear. I felt really like the, the, the finale in both 
book form, the original book form, and mm-hmm. on TV, translated for TV, it's just like it, it can't be beat. You, it? Yeah, it can't yeah. be ruined. Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like you said, the the actors definitely look so much older. Time waits for no VFX <laughs> yes. uh, timeline schedule, and no matter how fast you crank those lads out. I, I think this was the weaker season. Yeah, um, yeah. I really enjoyed the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. And I think with this one, it was very slow. I could yeah. s- see that there was a lot of tying up of knots going on that mm-hmm. were quite obvious. But that last episode, you shed one tear. I was, my husband was like, <laughs> are you okay? Because uh, he doesn't watch it. And he mm. was just like going, going past me, just sobbing. Um oh. Like, it's not even, the it's just excellent writing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just stuff about being in love. And, you know, like my husband and I, we started off long distance, you know. Oh. So that really kind of resonated with me too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's done. You know, it's, it's done. It's, how do you feel about all of it? Like, do you think it's worth watching? Would you recommend it to someone that's like, you know, never seen it as a whole? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, this is a really fantastical world that uh, Philip Pullman built in his books and to even see like an attempt at like a full adaptation of it for the screen i think it's it's definitely still worth watching like this world this universe is so incredible and i especially really loved i'd say season two and yes i agree yeah i think that's worth watching if if anything but you know you, you have to just watch the whole thing if you're at all remotely interested in this yeah totally so what else did you get into? So I'll say briefly uh, my thoughts on Emily in Paris season three, which is okay. on Netflix. We also talked about this on a previous episode. And I have to say, like, my my feelings about it have somewhat shifted or they've evolved. Mm. We pretty much, like, panned it, I think, previously. But in the season since this show, which is about an American like marketing employee who gets sent to Paris to work at like a, the Parisian office adapts to French life as like a very exuberant and frankly kind of annoying American girl. Um, it's crossed that line from being like bad, just plain bad to camp camp bad. Right. 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 That's sort of the sweet spot that it finds itself in right now. And like the, the writer's, are fully aware of this they are making emily even more of an annoying character on purpose and they're showing how others like mm. hold her in disdain for this it's it's crossed that line into being like oh i don't know why i'm watching this and i hate it to like oh my god it's it's fun time for the the terrible show like it's yeah yeah that's where it's found in it and i i, I like it i don't know i like watching it now i like watching the sheer like s- silly little things they have going on and it's it's fun in that way yeah i don't watch emily in paris so i, I didn't watch this season didn't watch the second either it's it's just from the feedback that i'm getting it seems to be that everyone's just there to have their goofy time with her and with this show yeah you know what's mad when i was in paris like mm-hmm. we heard we overheard tourists talking about emily in paris no like, way so much so much <laughs> It's that's kind of depressing. Cr- that's wild. It, I'm they're, glad they're, everyone's like, having stretching fun. It out. Yeah, yeah. It's, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is like the 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 pinnacle of American French uh, diplomatic relations, right here. Yes, yes. <laughs> the the adoration from one end and the contempt from the other. Yeah, for sure, for mm-hmm. sure. All right. What is on your list to talk about, Palin? 
So I watched The English, which is a limited series on Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime. And, you know, I did not expect to like this. And I, after I made it past the first episode, I completely crushed it. The showrunner is Hugo Blick, who has created some great shows in the past. And so, you know, has a decent pedigree of like just knocking them out of the park, especially for limited series. Um, it stars Emily Blunt as Lady Cornelia and Chasky Spencer as Eli Whip, who is an ex-cavalry scout and a Pawnee Nation member. Lady Cornelia is just a British lass who is very rich. You know, she's okay. old money, right? And so th- this is set in uh, 19th century America and it's a Western. Like, that's just the oh. way that I would describe it. It's a Western. Again, the reason why I didn't really like it initially is because it's a Western, because I'm not really that into Westerns. Like, it's not really something that my heart desires or craves, because mm-hmm. I'm not a 70 year old man, you know? <laughs> so it, it, it initially was a little bit hard to swallow, but it actually ended up being like, if I had watched this before we made our list, it would have probably made my list as my top 10 TV shows Oh, of the no year. way. Yeah, it's okay. so it's so good. Emily Blunt is so good. I love you know? Emily Blunt. Yeah. I love her, same. I love her, and she's so good in this. And it like these two, like Lady Cornelia and Eli Whip, they, they end up bumping into each other by chance. Like she's trying to, she's in America to avenge her son because her son died and she blames this man who's responsible for it. And then he's there because he's, you know, retired from his cavalry days and he's trying to go back home to get his land back that was taken from him, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so they, then they, they just in a matter of like violence and chance, they end up befriending one another and looking out for one another. And it just follows them trying to get to where they need to go. And a really affectionate friendship starts between them. Yeah, just fantastic. Just really, really like gripping. You know, it kind of tells you something about american history and how america was formed and like these are british Mm. creators so you really get to see it's a british co-production as well so you really get to see a lot of british actors in this but because the showrunners are brit as well it's like you you get to see how they perceive america as you know sometimes you get to see a truth about the country that you're from from outsiders because they get to see the full picture rather than you getting stuck in the weeds of it mm-hmm. it says something really like profound and thoughtful that has obviously been said before about how america was created but it reminded me a lot of like there will be blood in terms of that like need for like essentially capitalism and making money and just um you know the hobsy and like man eat man thing mm-hmm. about the creation of this country so i really i really enjoyed it just fantastic performances great writing like a truly double you know capital w western um so I really, I really enjoy this, and I really recommend it um, for anyone that is okay with westerns. And if you're not, I implore you to continue watching just family if yeah. if that's if you're so inclined. So yeah, yeah, cool. I'll give this a watch. All right, sweet. Um, so next up is something that we both watched and yes. we both got into. Uh, take it away, Jen. So this is Slow Horses, which we have talked about previously. I included this latest season, I think, on my year endless like this in the previous season yeah. uh, but slow horses has returned for its second season on apple tv plus this is the adaptation of the series of novels by mick heron uh essentially it's like spy thriller set yeah. in the uk and yeah. 
we liked it a lot when we talked about it the first time, and I continue to like it a lot uh, the yeah. second time around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the reason why we liked it is because of the tone. You know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's about a bunch of, like, MI5 fuck-ups. Um, yeah. being sent away to like a halfway house between employment at MI5 and, and unemployment essentially and because of that like Gary Oldman is in this and he's such a gross character <laughs> and he's such a <laughs> such a prick um, yeah. and you know he continues to be so and this this season it's uh, you know it's changed it's the theme is about Russian spies working mm, yeah. undercover in in the UK I thought this was a, a done a lot more elegantly than the first season, especially like where it landed and how it unraveled, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a, I had a, actually a much better time this season than I did last season. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. this season they introduce a couple of new characters mm-hmm. um, and they missing Olivia Cook, sadly. And yeah. who knows where she went after the, her character after the first season. Oh, she went but, to the house of dragons. So oh yeah. I mean, like, I don't think we're going to see her again. <laughs> she, she took the journey <laughs> over to Westeros, but yeah, <laughs> uh, but still it's like, you don't mind. And the, the cast is doing a lot here. And I'm actually mm-hmm. really surprised at how far some of the danger went. Mm. And again, I haven't read the book. So I, I think something like this does happen in the books, but yeah, there's like, for instance, the, the deaths of people you wouldn't expect and like, yeah. uh, the near deaths of people. And it's like, uh, it's, it remains like quite thrilling while also, like you said, having that tone that's really approachable. That's like kind yeah. of funny, kind of comedic, but you're yeah. still kind of rooting for them, but you're also like, oh my God, they're, how can this person be such a f- fucking idiot? Yeah, exactly. I want to give a shout out to Rosalind Elazar, um, who, pl- who plays Louisa. I thought her performance this season was so good, and mm-hmm. they obviously gave her some stuff to work with. Yeah, she's she's just really good actress, and yeah. I'd never seen her in anything before, so it was really a pleasure to watch her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited for season three. I think it's going to be. It also looks like they filmed that too, <laughs> just based off yeah, of the, I think so. uh, the trailer. So. Yeah, more shows like this, man. Just keep them coming. Like, good quality, <laughs> banterous time, like, gripping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. What is next for you, Jenny? What else did you watch? So I watch, or I guess I am currently watching Gossip mm. Girl Season 2, which is on HBO Max. And this yeah. is like, you know, going along with Emily in Paris, speaking of shows that are bad, slash the line between bad and camp, this is like somewhat in that space as well. So this is the mm. reboot of the original Gossip Girl series. Um, reboot Lucy because it's kind of like a sequel series. It is set in like contemporary times with mm-hmm. new teens, new teachers, uh, but basically the same shtick of like these yeah. these super wealthy children of the Manhattan elite doing yep. various dramatic things with each other. Yeah. Um, First season, I thought was, like, not good. <laughs> Second yeah. season, I think the the writer's room has sort of taken that feedback. It's a very online writer's room who is, like, actively engaging with what's being said about their show. Like, they, you can tell that they're listening to every single comment that people have made, that they're reading all the, like, criticisms, critiques, the reviews. They ha- It's almost too online and too topical in a way. Yeah. Um, but they're like, they've been pushing the envelope to more camp, I think. I see. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you think Aki listens to criticism as dead? 
<laughs> oh my god yeah he's supposed to be like a super film boy which i completely forgot about uh, but i yeah. guess that is like his one interest besides skateboarding and his it's throttle. so annoying every time i see screenshots like referring to it i'm like fuck off like i know that i know that you need to develop a character to have taste and interest and stuff but like oh my god it's so cringe um i have i have another question for you yeah Jenny. why do you do this to yourself <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i need tv where i can turn my brain off you know uh, i need yeah, that actually okay. a lot i need a fair amount of that um to keep functioning and this is this is one of those where it's like i'm both frustrated when i watch it because yeah. of how terrible some of the performance are mm-hmm, like how mm-hmm. how things roll out but also but at other times like the silly fun like makes up for it and but I, there's yeah. not as much of that i think compared to emily in paris which is really kind of more of like a at this point it's like a surreal uh performance art yeah. gossip girl is still like i think in that middling ground that gray space between like mm, is it is it bad or is it bad in a fun right, way right right yeah and so i haven't fully made up my mind yet but you know they're definitely doing things a little bit differently for this mm. season they're not taking themselves quite so seriously got it they're torturing the characters a little bit more in a somewhat fun way so you yeah. know i if i need it's not on the top of like my every week i have to make sure i watch that week's episode uh, right. i'll usually catch up like a couple episodes at a time but Fair it enough. is yeah. something to still keep in my you know lobotomy sort of mind state rotation yeah 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 okay got it fair enough <laughs> I, I didn't mean to sound so bitchy with that question. no no, no just, that's okay I, I just, it's a fair question because our time is limited it's also like i keep forgetting that like you are so much more of a tv person um yeah uh, and i watch more films and it's just like the way that our brains are just like different that way like you are okay You're like with the slow drip yeah just yeah exactly <laughs> anyway yeah thanks jen thanks for the explanation it's a yeah, good one yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to oblige speaking of films uh what else is on your list this week Alan? so i watched babylon um which is the damien chazelle movie which you can't get anywhere I yeah think i think maybe... it's still just in theaters right now yeah i i didn't see it on vod or anything either but i watched this because i was lucky enough to get a screening essentially it's about the rise and fall of an of like four characters in the hollywood of the early 1920s all the way up until when the talkies uh, started gaining traction and the talkies are obviously when sound mm-hmm. started being applied to f- to silent films um and like the transition of that and what that did to these people so it is long like it's, it's three hours it's three hours long and i've got to say it did not feel like three hours really? it felt much All faster right. than three hours uh-huh. critics have been really really split about this film yeah. and it's been interesting to see that but then i did want to watch it because i do like and i do enjoy damien chazelle's movies even first man which i know everybody hated but i <laughs> i i thought it was fine so we sat down and watch it watched it and you know it, with my viewing partner my husband we both were like that was a good movie like we had a good time okay. there were some choices made that we didn't quite like especially right at the end Mm -hmm. um throughout it like i said it did not feel like three hours i had a really really fun time you know this stars it's like an almost all-star cast um it's got brad pitt it's got margot robbie it's got diego calva who's a newcomer onto the scene he's Mm -hmm. i guess the protagonist but not really like as a show as the film goes on not really um Mm -hmm. and then also it's got 
Jovan Adepo as well, who's who's I hadn't seen him in anything else, but he's he's in this as one of the four. Um, really gets not that much screen time, which I think that's the part that annoyed me the most in this film compared to the others. But so it's primarily like a Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Diego, vehicle. yeah, and Diego. I think people should watch this film if and when it comes out for VOD or streaming. There are some sequences. I think Damien Chazelle is so well known for his like frantic, like frenetic, really, really high energy sequences. And there's a couple here. And I had a great time. I had a great time. There's like one particular sequence where it's just like a mad dash. And then there's another one where like Margot Robbie's character is like trying to get her scene right when there's microphones. And this is when the talkies start basically. And and when microphone and sound engineers kind of come in and you see how like nobody really knows what it is that they're doing. It just says something very true and real, I think, about being on a set and what it looked like back then. And then also like what it does to stars and star power and how that can kind of like shine or dwindle um, at any given point. So I just I just really enjoyed this. I personally am a sucker for like a rise and fall story. Like I really love the Irishman for that reason. You know, what were we doing when we had it the best that we could have had it? in our lives you know in in terms of a specific career um so i highly recommend this and jenny i know it's three hours long but i actually think that you'd enjoy it too so if if and when it comes out for streaming or whatever yeah thank you for the recommendations of course um all right so what's next for you so in continuing my thread of just like turn your brain off tv yes uh, a reality tv show on netflix called singles inferno which is, uh, it was on Netflix for season one, and now season two has come out recently. So it's basically a Korean dating reality show competition. It's almost like a, a very, very light version of Love Island. Yeah. Like a super yeah. light, very uh, PG-rated version. Like there is yeah. no... There's no kissing, there's let alone, you know, sex or sleeping with each other. Yeah. Uh, it's basically these beautiful people who are on an island called Inferno. And then they, they sort of date around and s- talk to each other and see who they like and see if they can get matched up to get sent to a luxury hotel for the, for the night, um, called Paradise. And that is basically it. I like it because I like how it is more low-key as a reality, like, dating show. I like that I see some elements of, I don't know, just, like, the kind of more private versions of uh, mm. love or attraction that right. we we tend to see more on, like, Asian shows, like on Terrace House, for example. Yeah. So I think that's that's what I like about it, but it's it's hard to pinpoint it exactly because I I know that some people find it kind of boring actually. Yeah, I watched one episode and it's mm-hmm. it was a tough sit for me, man. And yeah. I'm sure it gets better. It's just it was so awkward up top and I yeah. couldn't tell. I mean, obviously the the contestants are awkward and that's fine and that's the comedy of it, but like I think what I had trouble with was the panel of commentators oh i um, hate the commentators they're not good they're, they're not, not the not terrace good. house ones like they're no, just they're not, not they don't funny and they're not insightful it's no. basically like a, i have the same level of insight as them watching this exactly and that's not what you need you know like you need yeah. you need the terrace house 
panel commentators that are poking fun at the contestants and mm-hmm. also saying something about themselves and what they like. And there is a little bit of that with this lot, but they're just not fun. So they don't bring anything. They don't like... They don't I think bring the diff- anything to the table. Yeah, and I don't know whether it's because like they're not comedians and like in Terrace House's ones, like half of them were comedians yeah. or like comedic actors. Um, so yeah, that was where I was like, I don't know if I can sit through any more of this. So I gave up. But yeah. if you think that it does get better, especially in relation to like the romance of it, I can I can keep watching it. It's fine. Yeah. It's a good like background sit when you're like yeah, on is. your laptop or something. Yeah, I think skip the commentators like either go do something else when they're talking or just like fast forward like definitely they add zero um and then the the thing about this is it's a slow move but Mm -hmm. the the storylines that get like teased out they they're like sort of unveiled very very gradually yeah Uh, but i think some of them are interesting at least for you know what they say about like you know what kind of beauty standard there is in Mm -hmm. you know korea versus what international fans may think like comparing that that sort of reaction or in terms of gender roles like what what does it look like for like a a a woman to be sort of uh take the initiative and and like Mm. motivated on here versus guys uh it's it's stuff like that that i find interesting yeah what's next we're gonna circle it back to you yeah one more Another reality show I'll I'll talk about briefly, The Traitors, uh, which just came out on Peacock. This is a mm-hmm. U.S. version, so I think there's a, a bit of like hype around the U.K. version that came out earlier this year as well. Oh, recently, and I watched a few episodes of that at the time, but I had to like go through a weird like you know find it on Daily Motion, block all the ads. It, it's just not available for streaming in the US uh on BBC. Mm-hmm. So I was waiting for this US version on Peacock and it's essentially a, a reality show competition like very much in the style of like a maybe a Big Brother or like a The Mole or like something like that where mm. basically a handful of these contestants are selected to be traitors or um go up against the rest of the contestants who are called mm-hmm. faithful. And then at the end of the game, as long as there are any traders left in the, the in the final like group, then the traders will win and they'll take all the money. Uh, versus like, so it's a faithful's job to try to root out the traders and vote them off before uh, the traders can stick around and before the yeah. traders can murder a faithful, which they do every night. So that's it. kind of the basic setup. Yeah, it is fun i don't know like i i'm the kind of person who liked the netflix's like who liked the netflix reboot of the mole Mm -hmm, despite mm -hmm. some of the our like qualms with it which we talked about in a previous episode uh i like the the older seasons of the mole like this is it's pretty much in that vein the u.s version is made up of like half normies and half uh reality show celebrities so you get that kind of mix of people who are loud or who are strategic who know what they're doing versus like a lot of the normal people feel much more like uh they don't really know what they're doing or maybe they're new to this um which creates kind of an odd dynamic at times but it's it's kind of like the kind of thing that i like to watch which when i'm yeah i'm doing my reality tv time and it's like very uh, 
satisfying who the winner is for this season, this mm. US version of the show. Yeah. And how that winner, like, is such an expert at employing both, like, strategic, tactical means, but also very good at, like, the social, emotional connection. Yeah. Yeah. I found it, I found it fun. I, I pretty much covered it all in, in three or four days. Sick. Yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've read that it, if you if you're a fan of Survivor, you'll probably like it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as well because Survivor is so much about gameplay and so much about like mind games and betrayal and whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out on Peacock, which I need to like redo. Like, I need oh no, to no, re- I'll, I'll give you my Peacock. All right, I'm, cheers, love. We're 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 sharing a couple things. Yeah, we're sharing like- <laughs> for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, what's next to you, Valen? So I watched SAS Rogue Heroes, which just a caveat this is on epics like epix which is a channel that you can get on your apple tv uh the first episode is free so you can watch this first episode see how you feel about it if you like it then you can do a free trial and crush it and then cancel your free trial which is what (laughs) i did um but i think it might also be is it on roku uh yeah i think so i think you can find it on a couple of channels so this is created by steven knight who also did peaky blinders he also did the film eastern promises he also wrote and directed lock which is one of my favorite films of all time and then also randomly he created who wants to be a millionaire oh game show i did not know this yeah Yeah, i did not know shout out to wiki did not know this um (laughs) that man is very rich anyway so (laughs) he is um he's a british writer so he wrote this show about the creation of the british special air services regiment the sas during Uh. world war ii which is when it was created i not to bring it back to it but like just as much as i'm not really a person that's into westerns not that much into war wars related yeah, stuff i, I mean I, I i am you know like philosophically because most of them are about like the turmoils of war and what they do to people and men especially but uh yeah most of the time not seeking it out because i'm not a 70 year old man however this was such a fun time you know i am a huge peaky blinders head despite the tail end of the seasons sucking terribly and being really really bad but this is just a really really raucous time like they explain exactly you know where we are in the first like five minutes of the first episode so i don't want to give you too much of the spiel of of like how they started as a regiment and like why it's interesting but it's in it's in cairo it's in egypt um and it's essentially a pretty stellar cast um so we've got the protagonist is um played by connor swindells who you will recognize from sex education uh, really funny seeing him in this because he's gone from being like a teenager in that to being a fully grown man in the army being just masculine so it's just really fascinating watching him in this role but he's crushing it uh jack o'connell who's one of my favorites is also in this uh we get like a dominic west you know, a couple of episodes with him. It's just like a really great cast, but it has a similar tone to Peaky Blinders where it's like, it's very similar. It's very masculine, a lot of violence, very like slapdash with the violence as well. Um, mm-hmm. But also really funny. Like just, there's just like an element of like British dry humor um, that anybody would, uh, that, you know, you'd appreciate it. So this is six episodes total. I finished these in like two days. It was so much fun. It was oh. really, really like such an enjoyable time. Um, you know that there's a lot of like propaganda, I would say, going into this, especially considering how 
you know how much there is of that with uh, World War II British strategy and Churchill and everything and like the type of person that he is. But like, if you know that, if you know that going in, then you kind of treat it more as like entertainment rather than like a yeah. historical fact. So it's just, it's fine. Um, and they have renewed it for a second season because uh, it, it was super popular in England as well. Like in the UK, everybody watched it. And I'm excited for season two, honestly. Like, I, I, I think this is just really, really solid television. Damn, yeah, that's right. that's me. What's next for you, Jenny? So next, I am going to talk briefly about Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, which is... Okay, what is this film? I've heard this name. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. What is it? <laughs> it does sound like that, doesn't it? Um, so this is a film that came out last year in 2022. It's by Anthony Fabian. It is adapted from a novel uh, written in the 1950s by Paul Gallico. This is like one of those movies I think I wouldn't have paid attention to at all, but I, I there was a surprising amount of chatter about it on, on my feed, on Twitter, like uh, at my place of work there was a really <laughs> nice. stellar review of it and like especially like from people you wouldn't expect like that like we had people who are like leftists and like communists being like oh yeah this is like a great film and i i wasn't sure if it was ironic or not um right. so anyway when it came out on peacock recently for streaming i wanted to check it out finally and and see if it would be so good that i could include it on my year endless for 2022 mm -hmm. um i did not include it on my year endless for 2022 <laughs> yes no if that you tells didn't. you anything um yeah. it's it's basically a movie about it in set in the 1950s in london it's about a widowed cleaning lady played mm -hmm. by leslie manville who becomes obsessed with uh one of her clients in her closet she sees this beautiful expensive like okator dior dress mm -hmm. and she wants to go to paris to buy her own dior dress so she saves mm -hmm. up it shows her like uh all the difficult things the challenges she has to go through to be able to do that eventually she gets to paris you know they're a total snob uh, at her they're like you can't just walk into dior and get it and get a gown right but um they're really really money strapped so this like kind accountant like helps her out and is like yes you can you can buy a gown here and so she stays in paris for the week to get her measurements and like to mm -hmm. and then all, on the way she like befriends everyone through her like sunny british uh like quaint british cleaning lady attitude yeah just and the, the disposition that apparently we all have but yeah really. yeah, yeah very much <laughs> like um like you would imagine like this like paddington core this is yeah. like great british bake-off you know that kind of twee yeah, yeah, yeah. tweeness yeah. um and then the the sort of leftist communist sort of thing it, it's because she like inspires them the workers, like the seamstresses of Dior, to like engage in a labor strike and, and stuff Sick. like that, uh, which is like good for her. But I'll say, like, I'm I'm kind of baffled. I think at people I know who seem to unironically love this so much. Mm. Uh, from the way people are talking about it, I thought it was going to be like a Phantom Thread type of thing, which is like, oh, now that no. is a good movie about that is you a know, good movie. clothing yeah. and and creation. Yeah, it's just now that's so... a romantic comedy. Yeah, <laughs> this is just like so twee. I think in a sense, and I don't mm. like. Don't get me wrong, I do enjoy twee in different ways at times, but in a way that it was just like this is 
you know, different parts that came up were so predictable. I was like, mm. okay, I saw that coming from a mile away, or it, it's not surprising. It's not, it's not funny. It's not like, I guess some parts of it are touching, but again, in a way that feels kind of like overly treacly and like, yeah, I don't know, just not my bag. I think just, just yeah. not for me. Yeah, it's it's like a straight shooter of a, of of a plot. It yeah, seems like definitely they put definitely. one foot in front of the other and they don't circle back or double back or take a sidestep. It just yeah, I mean it's fine. Like it, it I, is I, fine. I, like I, <laughs> these films exist. Anyway, uh, what's next for you on your list, Bellin? Um, yeah, man. Speaking of of you know critical reception and critical feedback, I want to talk about a film that has had none because oh all right netflix well not none but like netflix has not been showcasing this film on their platform and yeah. also it's weird because they bought it so it's their film like it's a netflix oh, movie uh-huh. um so you'd think right you'd think that they would uh, at least kind of judge it up a little bit on the on the yeah. home page but they don't um and they haven't and i had to kind of like seek this out or it was suggested mm-hmm. to me like it was like deeply buried in stuff that you might like or like the for you part uh-huh. um and it's probably because i've watched like every joel edgerton movie uh on netflix <laughs> and they were just like oh he's in this do you want to watch it and i was like absolutely yes yeah so this film is called the stranger uh not to be confused with a tv show called the stranger this is a film and it does star joel edgerton and then also sean harris which is you know a, a fantastic british actor uh, that you may or may not have seen in other stuff this is directed by tom wright thomas wright he has acted in stuff previously. He's an Australian actor. Uh, this is, I think, his first film that he's directed. And it is based on the true story of a police investigation in Australia. I don't want to get too much into it. I went into this completely cold, and I think I was better for it. Okay. So that's, that's all I want to say about it. Um, oh, all right. Yeah. So, you know, Joel Edgerton, his character is a police officer, and he's like an undercover. And that's that's all you need to know. And that's pretty much like it's pretty obvious to you um, when you meet him, but you don't meet him at first. Like you see, you he comes in a little bit later. It's just it's just so well directed. It's very well written as well. It's a it's a crime thriller. Like if that's what you like, which I deeply do. Like I I love crime thriller shows, films, all of that. There's just the you know there's like a level of you know it's it's outback Australia. You know, and mm-hmm. we've we've done a couple of tv shows about out the outback and you know uh-huh. the desolate just nothingness of it and there's a lot of that here uh but it is a little bit more like gray tone and blue tone so that it's just fascinating how cold and empty and alone the visual language of it is which is is exactly what you know what it's trying to depict in terms of like the story itself this is based on a true story but they don't mention the name of the victim in this uh respect for the victim um and they've changed the names for that um but in terms of like the order of events and everything that happened uh with the police investigation that's that's the part that's true um fascinating 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 depiction of like masculinity about like threat and what that means and who gets to hold it um and who gets to be on the receiving end of it it's just it, i really enjoyed this i cannot you know recommend it enough so yeah might as yeah. well yeah all get right. into it all right yeah, yeah what's next for you jen uh so the last thing that i'll mention for my part of grab bag is a brief shout out to the show old enough yes uh which 
has just come out with its second season or second like rough collection of episodes on Netflix. Uh, I think Netflix realized it had a big, a big hit on its hands since it was like, oh my god, yeah, borrowing these episodes from Japanese television. And yeah, it, it's true. This is the show. If you're not aware, um, it basically for a long time, I think it's a long running like segment show on Japanese TV. Uh, following these little children, like under the age of 10, who are sent off to go on their first, like, big boy, big girl errand without their parents, just with, yes. like, a dozen cameramen in disguise <laughs> and producers running after them. Uh, and the little kids are, like, distracted or they're very focused or they cry or they, mm-hmm. you know, mess up somewhere. But it's so, so cute. Yeah, I really loved the first taste of it we got with the first like a quote unquote season on Netflix and the second season. Uh, I'll say like maybe there weren't as many standout episodes for me compared mm. to the first season, but it has like the the sort of interesting added twist of some of the episodes they revisit the kid later, like ten years later, fifteen oh, cool. years later, yeah, and see what that they're up to now that they're an adult. Nice, um, but yeah, it's still just so so cute the episodes are so short and like perfect length for like a little snack bite-sized snack when when you're in between things and i i just love it a lot no i love it too i think this is such a good move on netflix's part like i'm pissed at them about what they did about the stranger but i'm so happy that they did this where it's just like you know (laughs) buying out archival episodes from a country where something was a great success it's so family friendly too, you know, yes. like you can watch this with your parents, your grandparents, with your kids, probably like there's just something very bonding about watching a child try and figure out very adult things um, in terms of tasks, not necessarily yeah. themes. But yeah. Um, yeah, man, this is extremely joyous, extremely fun. Like there's there's my the fun that I have from it is like trying to figure out psychologically how this kid is. <laughs> um so i'm excited to get into this where they get when they when they revisit the the them 10 years later because it's like what does this say about them as a as a character like as a personality as a child um and does that kind of stay with you um but maybe that's just my like you know my pseudo psychological um passion about like just trying to figure <laughs> out how people are um no this is this is so much fun i'm so excited to start watching this second season for sure yeah yeah all right and what is the final thing on your grab bag felon right so I, I i really wanted to talk about this one because i think a lot of critics have uh, reviewed this so Fleischman is in Trouble is on Hulu. It is a book originally written by Taffy Brodesser Ackner, who is a magazine writer um, who wrote For this the book. New York Times. For the New York Times, yes. Uh, I think she was GQ previously. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, and, and like New York very Times now. prolific, like, um, profiler, especially of celebrities. J- yeah, yeah, she profiles people. And I did read this book before watching it in preparation for it because mm-hmm. um, we had a decent lead-up time. Uh, thought the book was good. It's a good book. Yeah, it's well-written. And it basically follows Toby Fleischman, a guy in his 40s, played by Jesse Eisenberg. They, him and his family live in Manhattan. He has two kids. His wife, who he is divorcing, goes missing, and his wife is played by Claire Danes. So um, that's, the, that's, the main, that's the main hook of it. There is a narrator, and the narrator in the book, as well as in this TV show, is played by um, Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah, and, and this is like she is kind of almost like a stand-in for like a 
a taffy type character. Yes, yeah. She is, I think, a stay-at-home mother who used to be a magazine writer as well, and she lives in Jersey. Um, And then the third member of their friendship group, because she's friends with Toby Fleischman, uh, is Seth Cohen. Who is uh, Adam Brody? <laughs> Adam Brody, uh, who yeah. I had a raging crush on as a kid watching the OC. I mean, so, who didn't? Who didn't? He's, I still do. He's hot stuff. Still, he's hot. Know. He's still hot. Yeah, and he's like, it's just weird because he's playing like a douchebag in this. And initially, when I saw the casting, I was like, I don't know, but it works. I don't care. I'll get, I get, I get Adam Brody on my screen, and that's great. Um, <laughs> did you, did you watch this? I forgot to ask if you watched this or not. I did not i read the book back when it first came out and i think my reaction was pretty much like yeah that was all right yeah um there's like a a big twist like in the book or not, if not a twist like a reveal yeah. that's sort of like supposed to change your perception of everything that happened yeah um i don't remember feeling any particularly like one way or the other about it it was just like yeah it's fine yeah so i wasn't like especially motivated to watch the tv series especially yeah. after i think I, you know, basically reviews coming out, they're kind of mixed. Like some were like quite positive. Others were just like a little more lukewarm. So I didn't watch the series. Yeah. I mean, I had a good time. Like, I don't think it's bad. I think it's a good show. I looked forward to it every week because it was a weekly release. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can find everything now out on there. Um, And the mystery of like where his wife went is the thing that is the mystery in the book as well and then i think the reveal is very good both in the book and in this the, uh, okay so without giving too much away i think part of the critical reception that dinged it a little bit was because it was such a faithful adaptation of the book and it really is like it is basically mm-hmm. the book in screenplay form and taffy boris Akno wrote it like she wrote the screenplay yeah she was the actual like a uh, showrunner yeah so it was her first time of showrunner um big budget big cast like huge stars and i don't think she failed i I think she did a decent job but she she did a very boring job but at the same time it essentially works i was still entertained the thing that i didn't like so much about the book that i also don't like so much about this because it's the same fucking thing is that it buries the lead in terms of what it's about and it is intentional yeah it's it's it is like that's the point like it's very very clear cut that what taffy brozak wanted to say was something about the female midlife crisis you know using a man's midlife crisis as like the crowbar to get into that mm-hmm. but i just thought that was a choice that i didn't quite agree with like i would have preferred to have that a little bit more obvious a little bit from the top from the beginning um i personally don't need to watch a 40 year old guy bitch and moan about something that he had full control over <laughs> to get to the part where it you know it's also about two characters lizzie kaplan's character and then also claire danes's character like going through something that i can sympathize with but also like they come from very different worlds that i can't that i can't fully um these are all interesting enough so it is it's some so it's like yeah it is the point yeah that they're you know she's doing this that way but also yeah. it's still like annoying to, to it's, it's like a, it, yeah it's like an upside down way of doing it which again is like you can tell that that was her trying to like intellectually do it and i respect it it's just i think like i don't, I don't need to be tricked into watching something about that so yeah this this is good i do recommend it i do think that there's something entertaining about watching this and we're missing drama right now like we've kind of completed yeah. everything so it kind of fills that hole of of emptiness that 
if you have it, then you can fill it with this for sure. Cool. Yeah, I might check it out then. Right. So that was it for us this week. I hope you guys, um, you know, do a little pick of, of what it is that you want to check out. I hope we have something there that speaks to you. Please let us know if you watch it and then let us know if you liked it as well. If you are watching anything else that we didn't include in, in this list and you think we should also check that out, please let us know at criticismisdead at gmail.com. You can also at us or DM us at criticismisdead, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. For extended show notes for every one of the shows that we've talked about um, and maybe a little bit more, depending on what's going on in the press these days, please check out our Substack, uh, criticismisdead.substack.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts for five stars. Uh, Tell a friend about us. Word of mouth is always the best. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. Bye. Criticism is Dead is produced by Pelin Keskin-Lu and Jenny Shijong. Our music is by Rika. Our artwork and design are by Sarah Macias and Andrew Lu.